We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast welcome back to another episode of the pack a day podcast you can get all your pack a day updates by following us on twitter at pack a day podcast remember you can always subscribe to the podcast on apple podcast google play tune in stitcher or spotify and of course you can always check us out over at cheeseheadtv.com I'm Kyle Fellows, and I'm joined by both Maggie Loney and Andrew Mertig. We are here for another Friday edition of the Pack-A-Day podcast. How are you guys? I'm great. I'm really proud of you for making it through the intro this time. That was screwing <laughs> up. Um, it is, <laughs> it's it's funny to like really think uh, like how quickly this offseason has gone by. Um, like I, you know, I've mentioned a few life changes, uh, since the uh, 49ers debacle, which seems like uh, sort of a lifetime ago. But, man, it, it's so wild to think that we have a game that matters in six days and a Packers game in nine. That mm. is is truly hard to believe. Yeah, I mean, this is our last show together before we start diving into key matchups and X-Factors for week one against the Vikings. So it's it's surreal almost since we came together for the draft originally, and now we just do this all the time. But we officially made it, and I'm excited. It has been a long off season, and it is fun to think that real football is right around the corner. Um, it's been a long wait, but we did get a little bit of news today. Um, the Packers are still shuffling things, you know, on that practice squad, making sure they've got the guys that they want. Uh, Andrew, there is a name here. Sean Beyer uh, has been brought in and he's going to be on that practice squad. Uh, he's a tight end. What do we know about Sean Beyer? Yeah, the Wednesday crew got to break down all of the roster updates. The Thursday crew got to break down the practice squad. We get Sean Beyer. <laughs> so that's fun. Uh, Sean Beyer is a tight end from iowa and uh that's about all you need to know folks uh, he, no he, so buyer buyer was a pretty legit athlete in high school participated in a lot of sports including some track stuff um you, you can check out a little bit more about his athletic profile but he was largely known as a blocking tight end at iowa and and i think you know that is a program where you kind of know that Players are going to come into the NFL fundamentally sound. We know the history of success coming from that Iowa tight end position. 
um, a long and lengthy one. And Bayer certainly would have played behind TJ Hawkinson, Noah Fant. Um, and now the latest tight end who's going to be coming out in the draft this year, and I'm totally blinking on the name, uh, but Bayer was an undrafted free agent last year, spent the year with the Denver Broncos, was signed by the Minnesota Vikings this offseason and then just didn't make it um, out of their camp. So intriguing. I know the Packers need depth at tight end, and so that's always a good thing. Uh, either of you two have anything else to add about Bayer? I was just going to add, he was, you mentioned the blocking chops, right? And he has a wrestling background. So he talks about, you know, how that like, you know, allowed him to succeed as a, a blocker and just kind of have that mentality. Um, he's six foot four, uh, almost six, five, I guess, 250 pounds, ran his 40 in 4.8 seconds. So um, an athlete, you know, talks about what it was like to play with those guys who are obviously NFL guys. You mentioned Fanton Hoxinson. So obviously the Packers trying to find, a diamond in the rough here in Bayer. Um, we'll learn more in the days ahead. Yeah, I was just kind of surprised, you know, when the initial practice squad um, list had come out that there weren't any tight ends. You know, Alizé Mack, Sal Canella, none of the guys that were mm. with the Packers all camp had re-signed to the practice squad. So the fact that they did end up bringing in a tight end, I thought made a lot of sense because the Packers historically have at least a couple on the practice squad at all times um, as developmental pieces. So I like this one a lot. Yeah, and actually, talking about the practice squad, Kyle mentioned something really relevant right before we, pun intended, kicked off the show. <laughs> um, and and that is, it doesn't appear that Ramiz Ahmed is on this practice squad based on the announcements that we've gotten. So he was originally reported as being on the practice squad. Now it doesn't look like they have space unless another cut is made. So um, any thoughts on to what that could potentially mean for Mason Crosby's availability in week one? I mean, it obviously bodes well for his availability. I mean, I, you absolutely hope that that's the case because, I mean, you're right. I mean, Ahmed had kicked really well, and it felt like he was someone they wanted to keep around. A lot of people had even written that, like, maybe he is the heir apparent next year, and they'd want to keep him close because of what he'd shown. Uh, but it did. I mean, a lot of fans rooting for Abernathy to be that guy to get that last spot uh, for good reason. But if he gets it, as you said, it looks like unless somebody else is – is cut here in the next, you know, between when we record this and when this comes out tomorrow, uh, maybe Ahmed is the guy kind of outside looking in. Yeah, I mean, I think, too, knowing the way that the practice squad rules are established this year where players can be elevated and then brought back down, it just it shows, you know, if, if Ahmed was the guy that was released, that the Packers obviously feel really good about Crosby's availability because to, to get rid of their one insurance policy and not have anybody else waiting in the wings at that point, I think, you know, as a as kind of a an all systems go indicator for Crosby. So some good news there on the special teams front, which is much, much needed as we head into uh, the regular season. So uh, good news on Mason Crosby. Looking forward to seeing him kick again here in 2022. But if you guys are good, we're going to roll into today's show concept. Are you guys ready for this? Yes. Okay, so <laughs> Andrew's really enthusiastic. Uh, today's show is a fun one for us <laughs> as the hosts, and so we hope that it is for you as listeners as well. But today is all about predictions. We've spent almost seven months now of an offseason watching this 2022 Packers roster take some shape, and there have been a lot of changes over the course of those seven months. But now the rubber is about to hit the road, and we're going to actually get to watch the Packers 
play some football games. And I think we're all pretty excited about that. Uh, I think it's safe to say that this team has some big time goals for this season, right? It's kind of Super Bowl or bust for Green Bay. Uh, so we know the team, right? We know the 53 man roster that is now set. We even talked just about the, you know, the practice squad. But there are a lot of things in a narrative over the course of a season that are yet to play out. And so we're going to we have a lot to see of how this is going to unfold as we watch this group play 17 games together, um, just starting in a week or so. So, as I said, today is all about predictions. We want to put our names by some numbers and talk about the details of the season that we are getting ready to watch. So uh, we've got some things to discuss. Some items that maybe we'll debate a little bit. Maybe we'll agree some. Maybe we'll disagree some. Um, but I'm going to throw out a prompt for us, some questions, and then we'll see where things go as we make some of these predictions for what's coming in 2022. You guys ready to do this? Yes. yes. All right. So Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers is coming off back-to-back MVP seasons. We know this, right? Devontae Adams is gone. MBS is gone. The offensive line is a little bit different. There's a little bit of a question mark there. So our first question is, does Aaron Rodgers throw for more or less than 32 touchdowns in 2022? Yeah, this is an interesting one. I I, I mean, I think I went back and forth on this quite a few times, but I do think if, if Aaron Rodgers were to repeat just what he did last season, he would have to win another MVP, right? I mean... Like, obviously, there's always the potential of somebody like a Josh Allen or whatever going nuclear. But if Rodgers repeats what he's done the past two seasons without Devontae Adams, he absolutely has to be at the top of the list. And, yeah, put me down for more than 32. I, I think this is going to be a good offense, and they'll have red zone opportunities. They they can't just run all of the, the red zone opportunities in. And and there's going to be some big bodies around like Lazard, Tunyon, Dobbs, Watson to be fun red zone targets to go with Aaron Jones and Cobby out of the slot. And, and pop passes count just as much touchdowns as any other. Uh, go ahead and ask Tom Brady about that one. So I expect to see some creativity around the end zone as well. Yeah, I agree. I think it'll definitely be more than 32. I feel like, you know, two passing touchdowns a game is a pretty fair estimate for Rodgers, especially considering that he'll likely exceed that a handful of times during the season. So that would already put him at 34. Um, Yes, he's missing Adams. Yes, he's missing MVS. But he's talked extensively about how excited he is for Watkins, how Lazard has huge opportunities ahead of him as wide receiver one, how he wants Dylan and Jones to have 50 receptions at least apiece. So you have to think that, you know, at least some of those are going to break for touchdowns. And that's not even factoring in, like Andrew said, the tight ends, the rookie wide receivers. So, yeah, over 32 is my bet as well. Okay, so what's really interesting here is the Vegas odds for this, for Aaron Rodgers' touchdowns this year, were set at 30 and a half in July. I haven't seen where they're at currently, but, I mean, just a little bit ago, you know, a month and a half ago, they were set at 30 and a half. So I thought that was really interesting. I bumped it up to 32 for our discussion discussion just because maybe it's because we're Packers fans or because, you know, we talk about these things. I think we would maybe go for the over here, but it seems like the NFL has brought, maybe it's that Adams departure that's influencing that, but all the way down to 30 and a half is, is that line. But Rodgers, of course, through 37 in 2021, 48 in 2020. So, I mean, it feels like he should get to that 34, 35 number, as Maggie said. Uh, it'll be really interesting to see what happens 
um, with with this. I'm just going to let you guys do the predictions on that one, and we'll just move on to this next one here. Um, the Packers feel really good about their running backs, right? Um, in fact, they felt so good about them that they chose to only have two on their initial 53-man roster. Tyler Goodson, Patrick Taylor are back on the practice squad. Kylan Hill starts on the pup. Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon are your guys, right? They're the ones that are going to be toting the ball all season. That's the hope. So our question for discussion, who leads the Packers in rushing touchdowns in this coming season? Yeah, I, I think it's A.J. Dillon for rushing touchdowns and Aaron Jones for number of overall touchdowns. Um, but you, you would think Dillon is going to get the goal line carries when he's fresh. And I think he's likely to break some big ones on top of just getting those goal line carries. So overall, I'm in for a big year of A.J. Dillon, but largely staying away from him in fantasy due to this timeshare. That was me sneaking fantasy football into the discussion. <laughs> Yeah, I get the sense that we're all going to kind of share some similar opinions on these questions, but I agree with Andrew again. More rushing touchdowns for Dylan, definitely, and I think overall yards and touchdowns more from Jones. Dylan, we know, can be a threat in the receiving game as well, but I think that we'll see a lot of fun pony package kind of stuff from LaFleur, and I think Jones is going to benefit from that and be a larger recipient of some of those touches than maybe A.J. Dylan would be. But that said... Like Andrew mentioned, goal line situations, you have to think that Dylan's going to get the looks first. So I'll say at least eight rushing touchdowns for Dylan this year. I like that eight touchdowns for Dylan this year. That's actually what I had written down as well. So we're, we're on the same page, Maggie. Andrews, you own a good amount of Aaron Jones in fantasy then. I have him in one league. Okay. All right. <laughs> I like I the energy. number six overall. So that's something, right? Whoa, yeah, 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 that's exciting. Yeah, that's some some homerism, right? You get you picked yeah. on for picking Packers. And if there's one thing I know, it's that people really care about our fantasy football teams. <laughs> 100%. So, <laughs> in, interesting, though. I mean, I think we're all on the same page. I think Dylan gets those rushing touchdowns this year. Um, Jones is going to be involved in lots of different ways. But really interesting last year, Dylan got five rushing touchdowns last year. Jones got four, Okay. Um, we've kind of hinted at Jones is more involved across the board. He got six receiving touchdowns to Dylan's only getting two. So, I mean, that's where the difference was. But when you look at the yardage with these guys, they're separated by just four yards. Dylan ran for 803 yards last year, and Jones actually ran for 799, so four less for Aaron Jones on the ground. So those are going to be – it's a really fun pair, right? The Packers are obviously lucky to have both of those guys. It's going to be really fun to see – um, how those stats end up at the end of the season. But, okay, we're jumping into wide receiver here, guys. I mean, this is everybody's favorite topic, and I think maybe the most tension on the team of how is this team going to produce offensively <laughs> with these with these young guys. Um, but let's let's have some fun with this. Will the receiver with the most receiving yards also lead the team in receiving touchdowns? And then if you don't think so, you got to explain explain yourself. Okay. Um, I'm tempted to say that the player who leads the team in receiving touchdowns isn't even a wide receiver. Um, that being either Aaron Jones or Big Bob Tunyon. But uh, <laughs> if I'm just sticking to receivers, I think Alan Lazard is going to be the receiving yards leader and the receiving touchdowns leader. And... I actually think Alan Lazard is going to be a Pro Bowl player this year because I oh. think 
despite the rotation that the Packers typically use at wide receiver and probably will be a little bit more extreme this year, I think Lazard is going to be on the field more than anybody else, if healthy. And I think he is going to be the guy who has the most trust with the highest skill set for Aaron Rodgers. So I see Alan Lazard as having a pretty big breakout year. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Yeah, I I went back and forth with this just because there's a part of me that thought if you have a speedster like Romeo Dobbs, maybe he'll kind of have the MVS effect where he accrues a, a lot of yardage, doesn't see the end zone as frequently. Not that the preseason will be any indication of that considering he had a number of touchdowns in the preseason, but I, I do think it's Lazard at the end of the day. You know, we saw the way that he was coming on so strongly at the end of last season. Rodgers, I mentioned it already, has been talking him up as wide receiver one, talking about how he will really grow into that role and have an opportunity to shine. Was kind of arguably second on the team in receiving yards last year. Um, and then, you know, second on the team in receiving touchdowns last year with only 500, which isn't that, you know, notable with Devonte Adams, but in his absence and coming back healthy, I do think that we're going to see an uptick from him in both categories. Okay. So I'm going to be really boring here and I'm going to throw one more towards Alan Lazard because I think it's absolutely true. I think for me, the biggest tiebreaker here is Cobb's recent injuries kind of stacking up as well as Sammy Watkins has an injury history. So those are the guys that it seems like Aaron Rodgers wants on the field with Alan Lazard. 
um, if you're going to have three wide receivers on the field. But I also think Alan Lazard is going to end up playing in the slot a little bit as they get some different looks out there. And then that's going to be a spot where Randall Cobb probably comes off the field. Um, so I, I think Lazard has got a, a lead on how it can happen. Um, but the question for me is, for a touchdown total, how many do you need to lead the team? Because as Andrew said, I think that they're going to spread this around quite a bit. So I kind of wonder if you can get six to seven touchdowns and maybe be the leader for the team just because so many different guys are getting involved. And I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing. I think it makes it harder for defenses. We've seen you know, how the Packers have had to spread it around before when Devontae's not been available. So it'll be really interesting. I do think it's Lazard. Um, I do think he gets seven, eight touchdowns on the season. Um, and it'd be really fun, as Andrew said, if he could just have that breakout year and maybe even be a pro bowler. But uh, it'll be a lot of fun to see him have that kind of season. Um, I think everyone is kind of ready. Let's flip over to the defense, right? Uh, let's talk about Rashawn Gary. I think everybody wants to talk about Rashawn Gary in the season that he's about to have here. Um, let's have some dialogue, though. Let's not just totally assume that he's going to take over as the most impactful rusher. Who does lead the Packers in sacks this season? And can anybody keep up with Rashawn Gary? I do think that there's a little bit of a dark horse candidate in Quay Walker. Um, I'll talk a little bit more about him later on, um, but I could see him having like a seven or eight sack kind of season um, and, and surprising a lot of folks with how he can get after the quarterback in addition to his other skill sets. But yeah, I mean, I, I think, to me, this is a slam dunk. If he's healthy, it's Rashawn Gary. I think he's primed for a breakout year that puts him in that upper echelon conversation of edge rushers around the NFL. Like, are people going to think of him as a Bosa brother or, um, you know, uh, any, anybody else in, in, in that stratosphere? Um, maybe not. Like, maybe not the TJ Watts of the world, but I think he's going to be right there. And I, I do think that um, Rashawn Gary is going to go for a 15-sack season. Yeah, I'm going to say both Smith and Gary post double-digit sacks. I'm thinking like 10 for Preston and 12 for Rashawn Gary. So not the 2019 Smith brothers that we saw, where Z had 13.5, Preston had 12, but close. And I do, I do think Gary obviously is the leader in the clubhouse there. But I think a lot of that is going to be from this defensive front, which is arguably the best we've seen since Super Bowl 45. And Kenny getting some help along the interior of that defensive line to free up Preston and Rashawn to just go nuts off both of the edges. So I'm really excited about the front seven this year, almost more so than the pass rush pass rush itself and what that'll do for those edge pieces. I like Andrew sleeper pick with Quay. Um, and if I'm making my own kind of sleeper prediction, it's probably not really a sleeper prediction at all, but it's that Kenny Clark is going to get a career high sack total this year, which would mean that he needs to eclipse six. So we're saying, you know, his over under at 6.5 and I'm taking the over for Kenny. I think the most exciting thing is just how good this defense could be when you're talking about all these things that could converge and be just a really dynamic team. And if Quay Walker can be that kind of a player that's posting, you know, multiple sacks from a linebacker spot and just the creativity that that would allow your defense. I think the most important thing in this conversation is what it does for the team. But I think we've we've listed off some great names. I think we agree that. You know, Rashawn Gary is probably the leader to be this guy. But just flipping back to just last year, Preston had nine, right? And Gary had nine and a half sacks. So it was even. These guys both were really impactful uh, getting to the quarterback. But for me, I'm going to give it to Gary. Quarterback hits is the big tiebreaker. Rashawn Gary had 28. 
quarterback hits versus 17 for Preston. So, uh, and then of course the growth that's probably ahead for Gary just is really, really exciting to imagine how that's going to uh, work out on the field. So the next question is, uh, it's an interesting one for me. Uh, it's who leads this team in interceptions in 2022. We know that the Packers get Jair Alexander back. But this secondary is absolutely loaded, and it has a ton of playmakers. So uh, who's it going to be this year? Who gets the most picks for this team in 2022? I think this is kind of a tough question because both Jair and Eric Stokes have had trouble with ball production in their careers up to this point. That's probably the only thing you can critique about Jair's game. and, you know, obviously caveat here, he can get interceptions against Tom Brady in the NFC Championship game. Um, but I, I think the leader in interceptions is going to be Darnell Savage. This is when I expect safeties to break out. And I think he's going to have a lot of quarterbacks who are trying to squeeze the ball into tight windows because of how good the cornerbacks are. And he's going to be able to break and make a lot of plays. I, I see this as a big breakout year for Savage. So I'm going to say Adrian Amos to give the show a little bit of variety. Uh, My brain is kind of hoping that I would say Rasul Douglas for a second year, but I think opposing quarterbacks are kind of figuring out that he's not someone to test. Um, Amos and Savage had really kind of honestly eerily similar 2021 campaigns. They both played in all 17 games, both had two picks. The only difference was that Savage had nine passes defense and Amos had eight. So Andrew gives the nod to Savage as a floater, you know, can break on the ball and make plays back deep. So I'll give the tiebreaker then to Amos playing closer to the line and occupying some significant space in the middle of the defense with Campbell and Quay. So I'll say, you know, the tiebreaker is a few tipped balls that wind up in Amos's hands. Okay, so I like the call going with the safeties, guys. Um, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say it's a corner, and it's really interesting because you're you're right, Andrew. Jair is not someone who's come down with a lot of interceptions. Some of that is just uh, maybe he hasn't come down with those. A lot of those is he just doesn't get a lot of targets, right? And I think we're gonna see that again this season. Not a lot of looks his way. Um, but I think Douglas. I know that it's kind of cheap because he led the team in interceptions last year. But as someone who's gonna be playing in the slot who's going to have his eyes in the backfield and on the quarterback, I think he's going to have a lot of opportunity uh, to jump on balls. So I think Douglas is the guy I think leads the team in interceptions again to make some plays. Um, But then if it's not him, just as like a have some fun with it, I think Stokes, because the ball doesn't go over uh, to Jair's side, is going to get more opportunities to really develop his skills as someone who can go ahead and close the play and make the interception. So uh, just just some fun there. But really, you're right. Jair has never been that guy. If you go all the way back to 2019, Kevin King led this team in interceptions with five. So it will be interesting to see who is the next guy up and leads the clubhouse in interceptions. But let's jump over to record and talk about how we expect this Packers team to end up at the end of the year. The Packers have won 13 games in all of Matt LaFleur's first three seasons as head coach. Obviously, in 2021, that meant that they went 13-4 and four instead of 13-3 and three because that extra game uh, that the NFL played. But the Packers have been impressive under LaFleur's leadership. There's no doubt about that. So the question for us is, as we enter year four, how many games did the Packers win in 2022? 
I'd go with 12, um, and not necessarily because this team has regressed that much, but I just think the Packers have won a ton of games the last three seasons that were really, really tight, and at some point, not every single one of those is going to go your way. Uh, But I do still have the Packers as a division winner and back in the NFC Championship game, but maybe this time on the road. Um, Just When you look at their schedule, I think it's fair to say, you know, if they can be about 500 in the tough games, um, you know, that, that, and you're probably going to lose one along the way that, uh, you know, you weren't expecting. I think, I think 12 wins uh, feels about right. Yeah. After the schedule was released, I thought that this team would be a better squad with a worse record. And every year I seem to say that. And every year the Packers come out and post 13 wins. So after revisiting the schedule, knowing what we know now about the makeup of the team, how the draft has gone, I really kind of honestly see 13 and four again. And maybe that's the homerism that we talk about having on this podcast. But I say that, you know, kind of largely in part to where some of these games are played. Green Bay was really fortunate this year to draw some of their toughest matchups at Lambeau Field. And I think had some of these games winded up as away games, maybe we're looking at 11 and 6, like Andrew said. But since Green Bay is rarely losing at home right now, I I feel good about the way the schedule is set up for them, favorably, especially after that late bye in the cold weather to close out the season strong. Okay, so I had 12 wins written down in my notes here. Um, agreeing with Andrew, but I'm actually going to switch to 13, not because I prefer Maggie, no offense, Andrew. Um, <laughs> but because when I look at the schedule, I really think that the Packers go undefeated in the NFC North. I think they get off to a fine start. They obviously have the Vikings week one. And if they can get out of that game, which they travel for, right? Um, I just don't think that they lose another NFC North game. And so if you can go undefeated in your division, it's just hard to find five more games that this team is supposed to drop over the span of the season. So I'm going to say it's 13 wins, but obviously anything can happen. Uh, but Maggie's right. The way that this schedule sets up is really nicely. They get a bye right before they play the Rams. So I think that there's a lot of things that go their way, and I think a 13-4 and four season is definitely in the cards. Yeah. I, I mean I- – I can see where you're coming from. That whole game that we have different is, is really a big deal. <laughs> All right. So uh, let's talk about the Packers' potential rookie of the year candidates. Who's going to be who's going to be the most impactful rookie for this team? My pick is Quay Walker, and you will get no details from me as to why, because I'm going to pick him for the next question you are about to ask us. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So that leaves me to take the low-hanging fruit and say that it's Romeo Dobbs. And as much as we should temper our expectations when it comes to rookie wide receivers with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback, I think the Dobbs will be thrust into kind of more immediate action than some of these previous rookies have. There isn't a Donald Driver, a Jordy Nelson, or a Devontae Adams, or a Greg Jennings on this roster to take heat off of the rookie development. Yes, you have Cobb, Lazard, and Watkins. We already talked about Lazard and the impact that we think he'll have, but we're still waiting to see kind of how that shakes out in the LeFleur offense. So we know who Rodgers is. We know who he thinks will be getting the lion's share of his targets. Um, But we also saw the way that Dobbs can stretch the field and shake defenders already during the preseason, which I talked about just a little bit. So if he gets on the same page with Rodgers and some of those back shoulder throws start connecting when he's stretching the field, I think that that's a really dangerous connection that as it grows could kind of catapult him into that category as somebody that Rodgers trusts earlier than maybe we anticipated. 
Okay, so it's always a good sign when there's multiple directions that you could go for your, you know, rookie of the year, the guy who's going to come in and, and be that impact right away. And uh, Christian Watson could come out of nowhere and just, you know, catch up really fast. But I'm not going to mention him here. I'm actually going to say Zach Tom. And for me, this is someone who's going to probably see the field early and often, whether it's a tackle or guard. Um, and he's just played so well throughout the preseason, limiting the pressures, giving up next to none. And I just think he's that next guy in the line of, of draft picks that the Packers have been able to rely on really, really early at the offensive at offensive line. And really, that is one of the most impactful areas that you can have guys come in. And if they can contribute early, uh, it's huge. So I'm going to say Zach Tom continues to play really, really well and stands out for this team to the point where maybe even though he's not catching the touchdowns is the most impactful rookie for this football team. Okay. So once the regular season gets here, if you've been listening to us for years, we do something every week called our X factor prediction. And we're going to continue doing that this season, of course, but we thought it might be kind of fun to pick a season long X factor. This is someone that Maybe they're not necessarily locked in as a starter or an impact player, but it's someone that we feel like is going to have a big impact for the Packers season long success. So who for you guys is going to be your season long X factor prediction? Well, I said it was going to be Quay Walker, so it's going to be Quay Walker. (laughs) Picking a rookie is not usually a great move for X factors, especially not, you know, a rookie linebacker. Um, However, Walker has looked the part in limited action in the preseason, and that is without Kenny Clark and Jerron Reed and Dean Lowry and TJ Slayton and Devontae Wyatt keeping him clean. So playing next to Devondre Campbell is going to allow him to play at hyperspeed, and I think he's going to make a ton of plays this season. I like him as that like sideline to sideline tackling machine. He's good in coverage, and I think he's going to get some sacks as a blitzer, like I talked about earlier, and then occasionally as an edge rusher. So I would not be surprised a bit if Walker is in the conversation for defensive rookie of the year at the midseason mark. So it's kind of funny because I was going to take Zach Tom for this, but then Mm. since Kyle (laughs) took him for, um, you know, rookie of the year potential, I'm going to switch it up and I'm going to take Eric Stokes. And I think, you know, he was largely thrust into starting duty early with the Jair biceps injury, and he played as well as you could expect a rookie corner to play, you know, going up against some really stout competition in the process. So we know, you know, you guys kind of talked about it already when we talked about the interceptions, but we know that a lot of quarterbacks right now are smart enough to avoid Jair. We talked about Rasul leading the team last year in picks. So who does that leave then is Eric Stokes. So, he, you know, he only had one pick his rookie year but he did lead the team in passes defense with 14. So if he can convert even a handful of those PBUs into interceptions, I think that that's going to be kind of one of the keys to unlocking, you know, what the secondary can do as a whole. Okay. So for me, it's going to be Josiah DeGuara here. And I know that Josiah is technically the third tight end for this team. Lewis and Tunyon are going to be the preferred guys when they're available. But I believe DeGuara is going to be a sneaky good player for this offense this season. And I'm going to say something that's totally within the context of Tunyon's injury last year. And so I understand that he wasn't available for these weeks. But from week 11 on last year, Josiah DeGuara played an average of 50% of the snaps and received an average of four targets per game. And so do I think that Josiah is going to be a focal point of the offense? No, not necessarily. But I do think he's going to be the guy that defenses kind of forget about. And he's going to make a play or two every single week with the Matt LaFleur design 
It's just going to get him the ball. That's going to be a big deal for the success of the Green Bay Packers. And so I'm really excited to see both his skill increase this year as well as that opportunity uh, as he gets it. Yeah, so those are our predictions. Those are things we're looking forward to this season. We have got a week plus a day or two to get you ready for kickoff on Sunday uh, against the Minnesota Vikings. This is like such an awesome time of the year, and I know we are really excited to walk with you as football is kicking off again. But that is all the time that we have for today. This has been the Packer Day Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit. Find Maggie at Maggie J. Loney. And also check out Pax, what she said. And you can find me at Andrew Mertig. Please subscribe and give us a five-star rating if you like what we're doing. You can catch Kyle, Maggie, and myself every single Friday. Next week, we'll be back with key matchups and X-Factors for week one against the Minnesota Vikings. Thanks for listening. And as always, remember... happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com